Please be seated. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for the gift of the grace of Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that we would think about our response to your love and your grace that we celebrated in Easter. Lord, this world makes it so difficult, so hard to live into your kingdom, to live into the way you call us to live, to live a life worthy of you, Lord. But we ask that you would help us by the power of your spirit for, Lord, our world has never in our lifetime needed it more. So empower us to be the church, Lord. Empower us to be the body of Christ to the world around us. And to that end, Lord, I pray that you would pour upon me the gift of preaching, that my very frail and broken and human words might, by the power of your Holy Spirit, become your living word, uniquely crafted for each and every one of our hearts. We pray this with great confidence, for we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, two Sundays ago, we gathered to celebrate the most profound event in the history of the cosmos. It's a big statement, but I believe it's true with all my heart. The creator of everything so loved his creation that in Jesus Christ, he became part of his own creation to redeem us from the self-made, sin-filled mess in which we found and find ourselves. What motivated God to do what he did? Scripture says love. What was the operative word in play that God chose to accomplish such redemption? Grace. Take a moment and let the implication sink in. That God chose grace rather than judgment to be the operative word. It really is profound because I think most of us know and when we look around us in the world, we see judgment everywhere, right? And so when we think about certainly God deserved to judge us for this mess of a world, right, that we've created and yet he didn't. Most of us comprehend the impact of such grace when we think about it. Like, what is the impact of grace on our lives? We think about it regarding our future selves or our future lives, that death is dead. That's great news. That we go to heaven, that one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth where we will live forever, embodied like Christ was embodied after the resurrection. But this time, instead of our souls and our bodies being mismatched, and what I mean by that is our, our souls are eternal, so they never age, but our bodies do, there's going to come a point where our souls and our bodies are both eternal. And we don't have to fight that battle anymore. Those are the ways we often think about what grace does. Um, but it's also, right, what is the impact on our daily lives today? What about the impact of Easter and the grace that was found there on our daily lives today? That's where I would like us to begin, to recognize the full impact of Easter. To understand how grace is also the operative word when it comes to our experience of meaning and significance in our daily lives. For most of us, when it comes to experiencing meaning and significance, we think of it in terms of our own happiness. And we all have experience in this pursuit. 
That said, typically such pursuits are not based upon the implications of God's grace in our lives, but are more culturally influenced. And when it comes to true happiness, our culture isn't a great teacher or a great guide. Laurie Santos, who's a professor of psychology at Yale University, teaches a class entitled Psychology in the Good Life, and it's all about happiness. It's one of the most popular classes at Yale. She says this about our culture's impact on our well-being and happiness. She says there's an enormous culture around us of capitalism that's telling us to buy things, A, B, and a hustle achievement culture that destroys my students in terms of anxiety, and C, we're also fighting cultural forces that are telling us you're not happy enough. Happiness could just be around the corner. These are the cultural waters in which we swim. I don't think it's surprising to any of us. The promise that consuming will buy our happiness, the pressure that if we can just reach a certain level of perfection or success that the world will acknowledge our significance, and sometimes it does. The problem is it seems to never be enough. And the necessary carrot to keep us coming back on both fronts that we're missing out on more happiness. Most of us have learned one way or another that culture's formula for happiness is lacking. And in response, Professor Sato shares a simple answer. And this answer may sound familiar to those of you who come to St. Andrews. She says we should be taking a little more time for gratitude. The simple act of counting your blessings. There's evidence that in as little as two weeks, the simple act of writing three to five things you're grateful for down on a piece of paper can significantly improve your well-being. In today's passage, Paul is also asking us to count our blessings. He says to be joyfully thankful to God. To be joyfully thankful that God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, bondage, sin, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is grace writ large. Right? Paul is also saying deep meaning and significance is found in our daily lives as we seek to live in light of this grace. This is what he says. Paul prays, and his community is praying for the community in Colossae, that God would fill them with knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that they will live a life worthy of the Lord and please him. In every way. Now, at first, it may seem that living a life worthy of the Lord is more duty than joy. And therefore, how would such a pursuit be the answer to discovering happiness, to discovering a joyful and meaningful life? But what if, in actuality, the two are the same? Here's a question What if discovering happiness in life? And seeking to live a life worthy of the Lord are actually one and the same. What if God's calling to live a life worthy of him leads to our happiest life? There's a quote from Brennan Manning that shows what what such a life might entail. This, This quote has really impacted me in how I live my daily life. It describes some of the changes I've made over the last few years that I've found have really been helpful in this this question that I'm asking today. 
He, he writes, the foremost quality of, trust, of a trusting disciple is gratefulness. And then here's how he describes it. Gratitude arises from the lived, right? This is action-oriented, from the lived perception, evaluation, and acceptance of life as grace. As an undeserved and unearned gift from the Father's hand. In other words, living every day in light of that. That is the framing philosophy. The grateful heart cries out in the morning, Thank you, Lord, for the gift of this new day. And it continues to express its gratitudes as the blessings unfold. So I think this is Brennan's answer to Paul's admonition to live a life worthy of the Lord. First, like Professor Santos encourages, it begins with that gratitude. But the operative word driving Brennan's gratitude is grace. That's what's different. Brennan is saying that when we live each day with the perspective that life is grace, an undeserved, unearned gift that comes from the Father's hand, that the resulting thoughts and actions that ensue are worthy of the Lord. This is how we, in practice, live a life that's pleasing to God. And it's also a life that creates the most fullness and happiness within us. What would our experience of daily life be like if we took Brennan's proposition seriously? If our daily gratitude arose from the lived perception, evaluation, and acceptance of life as grace? How would the fact that life is an undeserved, unearned gift transform how we experience each day? What we prioritize, what we notice, what we value. All I can share is my own experience. But for me, it has brought me both a sense of living a life more worthy of the Lord and a life that is happier and filled with more joy and meaning and its significance. Now, as I go into this, let me tell you, I've been in full-time ministry since 1989. I've only been experiencing this for the past four or five years. So just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean anything, right? It's what we do with our lives and our relationship with God. Here's how I put Brandon's, Brandon's all of life is grace into practice. For me, when I get up in the morning and I set aside whatever amount of time I have to engage with God, and we have to create that space, right? Because we're swimming in the waters of culture, the other option that I presented at the beginning. And that's where you're going to end up unless you purposefully create that space. And so one of the things I do is I first acknowledge to God that today, this day, is a gift from God, A, and B, it's the only day God has promised me. God does not owe me any other day than today. This may be my last day, and if it is my last day, may I have lived it for the gift that it is. Now, man, does that set up your day differently. At least it sets mine up differently. When I can get there, and I don't get there every day, but that's my goal, right, is to begin to live in that. And so I love, um, and so when I think about living every day as if it's the last day, I don't know if you've heard of Ben Rector, but he has a song called, Like the World is Going to End. And I just love it because I think his attitude really captures some of what I'm talking about. He says, if we found out that the world was going to end on Tuesday morning, what would everybody do? It's funny how the thought of that can make something real important and a lot of things pretty worthless, too. Perspective. But I'd be dancing like a fool, I'd be laughing, I'd be crying, calling everybody I'd ever hurt and reconciling. 
I'd call everyone I loved, say what I was scared to say till then. Now that I think about it, maybe I should always live like the world is going to end. I love the perspective that today is a gift and it's the only day that we're promised. How would we see everything we see differently if that were the case? If it were our last day? It changes what we notice, what we prioritize, what we pay attention to. And more, as we lean into this new perception of life, we discover a sense of awe in the many gifts of God that he has given us that are right in front of us that are so easy to miss. Richard Fisher, who's a senior journalist for BBC Future, writes, awe is the feeling of being in the presence of something vast that transcends your current understanding of the world. Awe is the feeling of being in the presence of something vast that transcends your current understanding of the world. Various studies have shown that experiencing awe can reduce stress, discourage rumination, and enhance well-being. And when we notice the gifts of God that are all around us at all the time, in those moments we discover awe, that God, something much more vast and big than we are, is at work all around us all the time. You know, yesterday was such a beautiful day, right? And then we get up this morning and it's cold pool. <laughs> and, it's, and it's gray, right? But this morning I was just noticing, I was choosing to notice the cloud formations on the way in this morning. And there was this one set of cloud formations that looked literally like Um, the spine of something, like the clouds were coming together in this beautiful pattern. And I was in awe. I found that feeling coming up within me. And I think that's one of the things that's key to our experiencing happiness in life and gratitude. But it's also that God wants us to acknowledge living a life worthy of him is noticing all the things, the gifts that he's given us every day. And so... I prime the pump by getting outside and interacting with God's creation. There is something that changes. If you're locked down in work and you're not thinking clearly or doing well or feeling right, literally step outside for five minutes and focus and let the breeze and the trees, everything that God has made, draw you toward God, draw you to pay attention in the way I'm saying. Once your spirit is attuned to that, and I take like a 10 or 15 minute walk outside, It's amazing how a cool breeze brushing the leaves on a tree or birdsong or stopping to take in a kaleidoscope sunset all fill us with that sense of awe, the awe of God's presence and his gifts to us. Then, once the pump is primed, at least for me, as we keep this sensitivity front and center throughout the day, and that is hard, that is key, but it is hard to do, right? You have to keep this perspective front and center. This sense of gratitude and awe are felt in our relationships. In seemingly normal moments with our children or our grandchildren, our nieces or our nephews, with our spouse, we find that we can actually see them. For the gift that they are, they truly are from God. So easy to take advantage of those that are closest to us. To not see them, see them for who they really are. So easy to take advantage. 
These are the ingredients of a happy and fulfilling life. They are right in front of us each day. And yet they are so easy to miss because of all the power of our culture around us. But that's not all. That's part of it, right? Getting in touch with God's creation. I join with God's creation in worship, right? That's part of what I do in the morning. Noticing my relationships. But these are also the ingredients, right, of a happy and fulfilling life with others in the world around us. As Jesus put it, the more sensitive we are, we we begin to have eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts that are soft to experience God's desire for how we engage with his world In the devotional app, Lectio 365, which I highly recommend, Um, it's a morning meditation that helps me in this process that I'm talking about, Carla Harding shared a prayer that had these themes, and I just really thought it fit. She said, may we desire that our entire life, not just the few hours we spend in church on Sunday, be pleasing to God. This is that living a life worthy. To that end, may we reflect on what a worthy life looks like, how we are called to treat people this week. How we are called to use our money and our influence. In so doing, may we ensure that none of our choices undermine our worship of God. And so there is also a sense of the awe of God as we interact with those around us. When we get our spirit aligned with God, it transforms how we see and treat the many people who serve us each day. From those in the grocery stores to the barista in the coffee shop or the auto repair, or restaurants. When we have eyes that see and ears that hear, they are no longer simply people who owe us good service. They are human beings who deserve kindness and a genuine smile and a a generous tip. And even here at St. Andrews, you know, we are known as a friendly and welcoming church, and you have been for many, many, many years. I am so, so grateful for that. But the more attuned we become to this, the more we will be filled with the spirit of hospitality to those who are visiting us, right? So it plays out here as well. And then lastly, it also gives us the perspective we need to actually see the poor and the needy around us as we go about our daily lives. And we know that when we engage with the poor and the needy, we never know quite what they're going to ask or how much they're going to ask of us. And we don't always have to respond specifically to their request. We are called, though, to treat them with dignity and respect, no matter what. There's a guy right here when you're coming down the feeder to Buffalo and you go under coming to the church that sits there. His name is Paul. And Amy, my wife, has gotten to know Paul. She introduced me to Paul. And Paul is just the greatest guy. He, he injured himself. He lost a leg uh, in an accident. And so he sits on that corner quite a bit. And as I've gotten to know Paul... Uh, God has just really convicted me, right? What are the things that I'm going to do? And I'm in that process right now. How can I be Christ to him? What are some practical things that I can do to help in his life? In all of this, in living lives that are grateful and aware of God's everyday gifts, we are living a life worthy of the Lord. The question for each of us today is what will be the foundation of our pursuit of happiness? of meaningful and significant life? Will we trust cultural promises that it's found in achievement and perfection and consumption? Or will the operative word for us be grace?
that each and every day is a gift. And that all is possible all around us as we pay attention. In light of that, as Ben Rector sings, maybe we should always live like the world is going to end. What about you? Where are you in meaning and significance, purpose in your life? It's really a profound question. And Easter has everything to do with it. It's not just for the future. God died that we might, Jesus said, have life and life abundant today. May we do the work, be disciplined enough to begin to embrace the life that God calls us to live. Um, I don't know if you've seen these bracelets. We have them at St. Andrews. They're called Be Grateful and Be Present. It's just a bracelet that helps you kind of be remember throughout the day to keep this as your focus. And we have some left uh, that are out on your way out. You'll look for them. Are they in the... Yeah, 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 in the, in the family kind of gathering center where you first come in. There's a basket with them. And so if you would like, we have maybe some keychains and then some bracelets left. But when you wear it, it's been really helpful to me. It doesn't work all the time, but I'll notice it at the most random times. And it'll just kind of get me back into being in the present and being grateful. for. So that's my hope for us today, that we would allow grace to be the operative word in every part of our lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.